0: Hey, church. So glad you're with us today. We are in the Christmas season and we're actually wrapping up. <laughs> we're wrapping up the series. I didn't even think about that. That it's just came out. There, yeah. yeah. You see you see how that worked? Um, and we, this is going to, so this will be a gift to you. <laughs> Let's keep it going. You okay. got anything? A
1: present. We love your presence.
0: Cindy is Thank present you. with us. Today, as you see. <laughs> That's good. I like that. So, got Cindy with us today, uh, and it's going to be fun. We're going to have a great time, and uh, mainly because we're going to be walking through the Word, and we're talking about the Scriptures, and it's one of my favorite things to do. So, in this series of First John that we've been going through, uh, Revive One Another, we have had a different theme each week, and this week's theme is uh, Obey. Obey. And, and what does is, what is obeying look like? How we define discipleship at Trinity Life Church is learning to recognize the voice of God, or in two words, it's hear and obey. And um, a lot of times discipleship is, is encapsulated in here. It's a cognitive informational type discipleship, but that's not true discipleship from the scriptures. It has to have, a, it has to have obedience with it. it, has to be lived out. That's how it actually transforms who we are because, you know, a tree is known by its fruit, as Jesus says. He says, come and follow me. He says, my friends, they're the people who actually, well, they do what I say, is what he says in, in John, which is kind of a funny way to define your friends. But, <laughs> but <laughs> um, he can, he says on a God. So yeah, <laughs> and because he knows if we do that, it's going to go well for us, right? So we're talking about all that today. We're going to hit, hit this passage It's uh, that you've read. It. It's a longer passage, uh, so we're not going to go verse by verse necessarily. We'll, we'll probably pop around a little bit. Um, but again, all Cindy and I have done is just read over this. And that's really so that you can see that if you have the Holy Spirit, you can do exactly what we've done. And all we've done is hear from the Lord. And now we're delivering that to you through a conversation. So uh, without further ado, why don't we... Why well, don't we jump into this passage, Cindy? And, um, you know, first of all, as I as I read this passage, um, well, each time I, I read the passage for the week, I read the entire book. It's helpful because it gives you context, but it's also a tiny book, right? And it's, it's one of the shorter books. Um, and obviously, as we know, love is a theme throughout the entire book, uh, I mean, love is a theme throughout the entire scriptures, but it's definitely it's all over it's all over First John, and someone kick us off with a question. So, if someone says they love you, but their actions don't support that, does that person actually love you? So let's talk about that. Yeah. So so you know, someone says they love you. But their actions don't show that. Do you feel like they actually love you?
1: Yeah. I'd have to say no. I don't
0: think. Yeah.
1: They would because the actions are, they speak louder than words. So it would be big, big question mark of like, I don't think they really love me.
0: Right. So I, I I agree. I feel the same way. I'm like, well, you can say you love me. I'm, First John earlier talks about it as lip service. And so someone can say something, but. If their actions don't support that, then well, there's an incongruence there at the least. Um, Okay, so that seems like an easy, I would think most people would agree with that. Um, uh, So let's take that. Actually, before we go there, what type of actions then, if someone says they love you, what type of actions would you expect to accompany? I, mean, I
1: think they'd be thinking of your best interest and they'd be wanting to do things like spending time with you or buying you gifts, presents, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just different ways they'd, they'd, they'd show that to you. They'd show it through how they live their life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we think of um, the five love languages. Yeah, yeah you know, that's coming to mind, Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I, I heard the gifts there. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I said time, so well, that's, when, that's mine. So time and gifts. <laughs> Archie gifts not just <laughs> at christmas
0: even though christmas is coming up
1: yeah but time is the more thing for me so yeah time she wants to spend time with me that's good his lovely is acts of service yeah and i find that really hard to do but i'm trying still work in progress <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then touches another one of the ones and yeah. uh words of word and affirmation, words,
0: yeah. Words of affirmation. right yeah. yeah so um yeah all, all all of those things would will go into someone's if they said they love you those actions would support support that so if someone says they love you and this is just these categories aren't, aren't all inclusive of of love but they're a helpful helpful framework right mm-hmm. um but and so if someone says they love you but they don't really do any of those five things they they never see you or spend time with you uh they don't really speak about you. Um, they don't give you any gifts. Um, there isn't like a physical presence where, you know, yeah. there. And what was the other one?
1: Words, was it Words of Affirmation? that one
0: already uh, all time.
1: Yes, I can never just say them all same time.
0: <laughs> I had it. You guys out there probably like, it's this, it's this. And yeah. I'm like, we're like, I don't know. We're trying to think about this stuff. But if you do
1: all five of them, like if five of them and maybe other things were present too, you'd be like, yes, they definitely love me.
0: Right. Um, So now let's let's take this concept of love because the question was, if someone says they love you but nothing supports those actions, then we would say, well, they don't. Um, In the same token now, if someone says, I believe in Jesus – I believe these things, but their life doesn't look like that. Like their life doesn't look like they believe in Jesus. Take the love languages. They don't spend time with Jesus. Uh, There's no like, even physical touch. It's like, do they talk like Jesus is here with them? Uh, Do they they talk about Jesus at all? Mm -hmm. Um, Do they sacrifice for Jesus? Are are they a person who who gives generously of themselves for others? Um, You know, all those things. So if someone says they believe it, but their life doesn't match up with it, do they actually believe in Jesus? Which we could say, are they actually a Christian? Are they actually saved? Are they actually... That seems like a tougher question, Mm -hmm. right? And You don't have to answer. I don't want to put you on the spot. Um, (laughs) but it seems so simple when we talk about love. It's like, well, no, they don't love me. But then we put in belief. Everyone's like, ooh, well, I, don't, I don't know. Like, it's, it makes it a lot more awkward. Um, and I would say, I'm going to answer the question, well, no. If someone says they believe this, but their life doesn't look like it, then no, they don't actually believe that thing. Um, which means they might not actually be a Christian, or be saved, or any of those things. Um, and so this passage here, I'm saying all that because it's couched in love, but it's really couched in obedience. So it's this hear and obey, it's, its if Jesus actually said these things, and we love him, and believe in him, because that's really what our faith is, right? It's, we love Jesus, and we're gonna, we're, we're in this relationship with him, then our lives have to look a certain way. So um, that's kind of how I'm viewing this whole passage. Is like, it's a hear and obey dynamic here. So um, before I go further, <laughs> excuse me, before I go further into that, what's something that the Lord has spoken to you in this passage? What's something, uh, yeah, just as you've meditated on, as you've read it over and over again, prayed through it, um, what do you see in here that God wants to, that he's given you to give to us?
1: Yeah. There's a couple things come to mind. Um, have a few notes that I took here. Yeah. Um, but the one, I guess like this follows, um, in the pat, in the part of, um, first on chapter three, where he kind of goes through proofs of knowing, um, I felt like he was talking about proof and this continues on that theme of proof to know that you love God. Mm. And so it says, it's all, it's all through here. Um, So part of loving God is loving your brother. Um, And God showed his love to us by sending Jesus. Um, And yeah, the one thing that really stood out to me very recently, though, like I think just even this morning, it talks about no one has seen God. Yeah. um, But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So I think a lot of people in our world today are wondering, like, what does God look like? I can't see him. I can't touch him. Is he there? But if people are living, like we were talking about, if they're living that love that they have for Jesus and they're loving each other, that's what, that's what God looks like because God is love.
0: Yeah, I, I love that you picked up on that. Uh, that that's exactly how you stated That's what, what, what the Lord spoke out of this passage to me too to emphasize for our church is that this, this passage, it's, it's like, it's kind of weird that he says that. He just kind of throws in there, well, no one has ever seen God. Like, well, okay, why are you saying that? Seems to, seems to go against your, your proofs, John. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you saying that right now? Uh, well, then he says what, what you said, right? It's, well, we show God to others when, when we love each other, when we love others. Uh, and I love that. So here in the West, we're very individualistic right? compared to other cultures. And um, and oftentimes when we read the scriptures, I think a lot of people's default is an individualistic lens. And so when it says here, if we love one another, even though it's a first person plural, if we love one another, God abides in us and is perfected in us. I think people will tend to read that, well, if we love one another, God abides in us. So he abides in me. And he abides in you. Um, and he's and his love is perfected in us. It's perfected in me, perfected in you. And so there's still an individualistic mentality there. And I think, no, 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 we've we've missed it if we think that. Um, because although that's true, God abides in us, like as a community, as a new people of God, as a holy nation as a royal priesthood as a chosen race as ministers of reconciliation his love is perfected in us like his love can't be perfected in me if i'm not loving you mm-hmm. and we're not loving them mm-hmm. right like that's when god's love is perfected and so um i just want uh, i hope that helps us get a little bit past our individualistic understanding of Of love sometimes and and of the scriptures here
1: yeah because another thought that came to mind just as you were talking is like if the world could see christians loving each other i think that would be very attractive Mm. to them right because they would be like oh there's a community that loves each other i remember growing up our church was really good at like being present with people when they were suffering so like i remember my mom fell and broke her tailbone when must have been like eight years old or something and the church ladies came with food they showed up at our door with food yeah. and so we like she couldn't cook and we had all this food it was great so then when i've done that to some non-christian friends they have a death in their family i bring them, the first thing i think i gotta bring them food and they're just like what why are you bringing me food yeah. like thanks it's helpful but just <laughs> like that's what the church should be and we as we share that with people outside it hopefully it'll help them be interested mm-hmm. and curious and like oh i'd like to be a part of a community like
0: that yeah Food is the sixth love language. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> need to write a new book, number six. <laughs>
0: yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's really, that's really beautiful. I love that. Um, unfortunately, I think today, a lot of times the outside world sees the church not loving one another, mm-hmm. right? But actually, infighting and bickering.
1: And so much polarizations happen happened over the last
0: two yeah. years, too,
1: that they're like, why would I want to even, they want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. And that's right. really sad because that's not what it's supposed to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so if what we're saying is true, we're just cutting our legs out from under us because, well, John says here, it's, and he's getting this from Jesus, right? In the Gospel of John, John writes, Jesus saying, I give you a new commandment that you love one another, that, that um, people will know you by the way you love one another. Right? You'll be a distinct people because of the way in which you love one another. And Acts 2 shows that, right? They loved each other in a certain way. And people were being added to their number daily because of it. Instead, I feel like these days, people people. are the, the world outside of the church thinks, as long as they keep, what they are and their beliefs and all that in their four walls, in their little enclave, then it's, then it's fine. Um, but once they step just a toe out of that, like they're, we, we don't want it. Um, and, and I feel like that's, that's, be, that's more of an indictment against who we are as a church than the world because we're not loving one another the way we should. And uh, and so, I don't know, this is a big question, but for us at Trinity Life, um, I mean, love has always been a, the primary ethic, uh, but we've also tried to see how can we love other churches in our city? How can we love, obviously we're loving St. Jamestown and, and other neighborhoods around the city now, um, but I think the question is: well, How can we continue to do that? How can we continue to redeem the idea of Christianity, the person of Jesus, in the world's sight through love? So, um, yeah, I love that this is, and this passage is really all about that here. This verse, verse twelve, um, really it's it's us displaying God and His glory, right? Mm-hmm. So. Well, what else have you seen in this passage? Um,
1: I wrote down, if anyone acknowledges Jesus as the son of God, um, God is in him and he is in God. Um, and so I think that there's also, I think earlier in First John 4, it talks about recognizing the spirit of Jesus and so any spirit that recognizes the spirit of Jesus is of God
0: and mm-hmm. so yeah it kind of
1: picks up on that there of just acknowledging Jesus as the son of God is super important and I think
0: yeah. when we
1: acknowledge him like you see, like you were saying before it's like we can't um, just acknowledge him with our lips we have to show it with our actions as well mm-hmm. um, so I think those two things coming together
0: yeah yeah Where, what verse are you oh,
1: that's a good question sister
0: Need your glasses. Yeah, I do
1: need my reading glasses. I remember when my dad got to this stage of life, he'd be going like this. I'm like, just wear the glasses and I forget to bring them all I the can time, hold it for so. <laughs> um, okay. so. Oh yes, verse 15. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus yeah. is the son of God, God lives in them and they obey. And, oh sorry, and they in God.
0: Yeah. And that that living, that abiding, that dwelling is language that John uses over and over through this book. Um, and there's going back to the love languages, that's that's a presence. Right? That is God is in you. He's with you. And, and so even in showing God to others, even so much of how we talk about Jesus, I think can show Jesus to others. I think with a lot of Christians I, I talk to, Jesus, they talked about Jesus, this is gonna sound a teeny bit blasphemous at first, but they talk about Jesus like he's just God. Out there, somewhere in the abstract ethereal realm, in heaven, has nothing to do with us, or is distant from us. And they forget that Jesus actually came in the flesh. Um, Or it doesn't inform how we talk about him. But when when we read the scriptures and you have these guys like John and Peter and Paul and uh, Luke and Matthew, and they're talking about Jesus, they talk about him like he's sitting right here. Mm-hmm. Like, and they were, of course, in closer proximity to him than, than physically than we are. But this is all physical language that John is using. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say he spiritually abides in you. Or or he, he doesn't qualify like that. Mm-hmm. Although, it's, it's spiritual. But he doesn't... I think in our minds, we think, oh, spiritual is not physical. But in... The scriptures spiritual is very much still part of the natural world and we and we exercise a spiritual or or we have a false dichotomy between the two worlds um and second corinthians kind of puts them all back together it's like kind of a, a treatise against this platonic dualism so he kind of brings it back together and it's really cool because um when he uses this language it's like no jesus is right here with us so when um so i feel like we should just talk about jesus like oh yeah cindy jesus jesus told me this morning that um you know i'm supposed to do this today it's like oh that like to you that shouldn't sound crazy Mm -hmm. to someone else that may sound crazy (laughs) right but when someone realizes that um no, actually, there's something there. They're like, oh, I, I, can you actually talk to God like that? Wow, like I, I wanna hear from God like that. Like I, I, I mean, that, That's attractive to people. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's this love among one another, but I also think our love for Jesus isn't actually fully developed. Because we talk about him like he's so distant from us when his spirit dwells, lives, abides in us. He's here. I mean, he doesn't even say the spirit. I mean, this is, this is we, we see this in Jesus. God is in Jesus. Now he's in us. And it's like, oh man, it's so it's just, yeah. We know we abide in him right yeah so um anyways uh okay i have something big that will end on in verse 17 do you have anything before before that
1: um well we were talking before we started recording about this song oh yeah yeah (laughs) from my childhood anybody out there who
0: remembers
1: (laughs) salty the singing songbook. um (laughs) you can google it later we won't play it for you but um salty
0: p-s-a-l-t-y
1: yeah and it's on the kids praise album i had all the cassettes when i was younger but i don't explain uh,
0: it what a cassette is (laughs) i'm just kidding
1: (laughs) google it um so yeah i um so it reminded me of that song and i i it was all done in the king james and so when I started reading it, I'm like, oh, because it has yeah, this little catchy thing, First John 4, 7 and 8. So I thought of that when I started reading it. And it, um, yeah, just it, just the, the passage again about loving. Um, love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Um, whoever doesn't love does not know God because God is love. So mm-hmm. I'd encourage you to like think of scripture that you you know to put it to music like there's lots of stuff out there that you can you can do that and try to create your own and remember one time a long time ago um when Daniel Yang was here he was talking about his little boy and like children just sing they just kind of sing around their house and they just whatever tune they feel like singing they Mm. do so that could be something for us as adults if we really are God's children we can come to him like children and saying different things and I think that helped me memorize a lot of scriptures just when it was put to music it was so much easier to
0: Mm -hmm. do it especially it's kind of
1: catchy right So, (laughs) so that was from the very beginning of the passage
0: yeah that's that's good uh the psalms say to sing a new song and in your heart to the lord and and so I just affirm that like it's it's uh like singing is such a big part of the human spirit that God has put in us. And uh, I mean, you know, there's a whole song book in the scriptures and there's song of songs. Right. And I think people overlook that, like song of songs. This is the song of all songs. Like, it's like King of Kings or Lord of Lords. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and there and there's, there's singing all throughout the scriptures. So, uh, and I mean, even like Paul in prison singing. <clears throat> yeah. Right. And
1: is it, is it Zeph and I where God sings over us?
0: Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's so it's like really beautiful. For those of you
1: who don't like musicals, like life's supposed to be a musical, I think.
0: Yeah. You know, <laughs> I've always thought life would be great with background music, yes. like in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Like when I'm working out yeah. or you know back. yeah yeah when <laughs> when you're like happy walking down the sidewalk or mm-hmm. something like that yeah, so for sure. um but okay so let's let's finish with this um verse 17 he says here uh, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment and here's here's the the thing he says because as he is, so also are we in this world. Which is a really unusual statement. So I had to read that over and over again. Like, well, it just kept on tripping me up. Uh, so he says, so that we have confidence as love is perfected with us. Because as, as he is, so also are we. So, well, the question should be, well, as who is? Okay, as as God is, as as Jesus is. So as Jesus is, so also are we in this world. I thought, wow, first of all, what does this mean? But then what does this mean about Jesus? How is he? How did he come into this world? Um, and so when I think of Jesus, he came into this world in maybe the most humble way possible, right? To um, And we can go on and on about the Christmas story, but the parents that he was born to, mm-hmm. the region of Israel that, he came from. And he was born in a farm situation, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> typically we'd say, you know, a stable and all that, but I don't think that's actually quite accurate. That's tradition, not scripture. But I won't I won't ruin your Christmas. <laughs> don't worry, in the next few minutes. Um but uh he was born in a farm situation with animals around him probably and some sort of trough manger um and on you know for the first couple years of his life he was sought out to be killed because of king herod and that prophecy and and all that and and uh and so I think about that with Christmas. Anything else with Christmas come to mind in you and how he was born, how his birth happened? I
1: think mean, just the the very humble circumstances, right? And the, um, the Jesus story book Bible talks about when the wise men were coming by, they were looking like they were thinking, he's going to be born in a palace. He's going to be like, you mm. know, in Jerusalem, the big city. Of course, that's where a king would be born. But that's not the case. And that's where Jesus. they go first. Yeah, that's
0: where they go to look for him, right?
1: And then realizing, wait, he's not there. Then they had to go try to search the prophecies and where was he supposed to be born and everything. And just that it always amazes me that Jesus gave up everything that he had with equality with God and Philippians talk mm-hmm. about that. And then to become, be born, not just, a human, like, I mean, he could have been like, Okay, I'm gonna be a king on earth, but no, he came to be like a servant and born. yeah, like, I don't know. I was thankful I had my babies at the hospital, I couldn't imagine having, them yeah, in a farm situation, you know, yeah. And he was willing to take on all of that, and then just to think too, that the family he attached himself to, like, if you read about all the patriarchs, they, they had some. They have a lot of faults. (laughs) They're not perfect people. And he attached himself to that family and was like through that family is going to redeem the whole world. Like it's just amazing all that he gave up to be able to to do that. So it encourages me that he'll be with me in whatever crazy situations I'm in, whatever humble situations I'm at or when I feel like whatever I feel, he's experienced that because he was willing to put aside his pride and his everything he had and Mm -hmm. come in the very lowliest form.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, you think great points you'd think if he was going to choose to rule the world he would have just been born in rome in the imperial palace to the emperor yeah right <laughs> Be like, I, okay i'm
1: here and i'm I, kicking you know yeah. oppression's gone you blah, blah, blah.
0: yeah but, and it's so it's so backwards um and and so i just want i want to leave us with that because i want us to think well how is he, so there's that. Well, how is he in this world now? So if he is, we are also in this world in that way. And I'd say in very much the same way as that, right? It's not, he's not, telling, he's not telling us to go and take over the governments. Mm-hmm. He's not telling us to go and, and um, you know, control everything and dominate. He's telling us to love one another.
1: It's about our hearts and that heart change. That's the kind of kingdom he was coming to bring.
0: Right, because you can't, you can't tear that down, and like you can't, uh, you can't kill that kingdom. Like you can't destroy it. It's why it has spread throughout the centuries, uh, because you can kill the body of a Christian, but you can't destroy their soul. Which is why Jesus says, "Well, um, don't be afraid of the one who can." Uh, or he says, yeah, why do you fear the one who can destroy the body but not destroy the soul, essentially? Um, so uh, and, and And so the church, if we're going to see the church rise up in the future, it's not going to be in any way, like a military way or an authoritarian way or in a regime or anything like that. It's going to be through this very kind of subversive, loving one another, caring for one another, ethic that defines the kingdom of God and and Jesus. And, and as he is in this world, so also are we in that way. And, and I love that that is the message of Christmas. That's the message of this, this passage. And so. Uh, church, let's not forget that um, our goal isn't to assert ourselves. Our goal isn't to, to um, take over. Our goal is to show people who God is, and that's through loving one another. That's through uh, humbly hearing and obeying God. Because this passage ends with, well, you have these commandments from God, And it's to love one another, it's to love love your brother. And that's how we're going to show other people who God is. So um, why don't we just pray and then we'll be done. Sounds good. All right. Father, sometimes we get so caught up in doing all these things that are just extra that we miss the thing that we're supposed to be doing the foundational thing, and that's just to love one another. And so make us say people who does that well so that we show them who you are, God, that you did this for us, that we only know how to love, as this passage says, because you first loved us. And so make our church a, a beacon of love and of light in this city for your purposes, and may this Christmas not just be any Christmas uh, season, any other regular one. Uh, may not be defined for us by, by um, uh, you know, Santa Claus and presents and uh, the marketing of Christmas, but maybe defined by your love, Jesus. Um, and as you are in the world, may we be in the world in that way. In your name, amen.